Hello, everyone. Hope you're having a good day today. It is September 28th. That is a Wednesday, so that means that we have um, class tonight at 7 p.m. And tonight we'll be covering the scripture beginning in, in 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. We'll, we'll be starting uh, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. I'm very excited about that because it uh, it's one of the most exciting uh, chapters in all of the New Testament. So very, very anxious uh, to get started on that this evening. I've, I've got study almost done for that, prepared um, for that time, and hope you can join us. Um, I'll probably mention this again at the end, so we'll leave that there for right now. Last week, what we took a look at on, on Wednesday, September 21st, was 1 Corinthians 14, 33 through 40. And this is kind of the conclusion of Paul's uh, answer to the question of spiritual gifts um, being used in a church service um, there in Corinth, uh, most specifically speaking in tongues. And it doesn't really quite end the way that you would think. Um, because what he jumps into here in the conclusion of this is in, in, in order and, and, and conduct, whatever you want to call it, in a, in a church service, um, he ends with, with bringing up women in the church service. So kind of an unusual way to bring that, uh, that to a close, but it probably speaks to more of the situation that was taking place in these church services in Corinth when they would, these, these house churches would seemingly kind of come together in a larger group um, at different times. So um, that's what we'll take a look at here in just a little bit. I want to give you the opportunity to read through this passage. It's, uh, it, it's uh, kind of the conclusion, I guess. Again, the conclusion of chapter 14. Um, why don't you look at 14, 33 through 40, um, and I'll give you the opportunity to look through that a little bit, um, read through that maybe a couple of times. Uh, just press pause, um, and then when you get done doing that, come back to us. Okay, hopefully you've had some time to look at this, the end of this conclusion of this chapter, and now let's talk about it some. There's a couple things we need to remember um, about the context of what's going on here in this letter to the church in Corinth. First of all, um, the church in Corinth did have a pride issue. They, they in, in a variety of different ways, seemed like they knew, they thought that they knew better than other churches. Um, they thought even that they knew better than Paul at times, and when I say this, I'm not talking about by any means the majority um, of the church or even a huge number, but there was enough of this going on within the church that Paul had to address a number of issues. And um, as we said, he's he, wrapping up addressing this issue of spiritual gifts, speaking in tongues, most specifically used in the service, and then he trans he kind of transitions into other things taking place during the services. And basically what it amounts to is he talks about um, the the function and what women are doing in the church. And I'm just going to read it specifically. It says this um, in verse 34, it says, Women are to keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak. But, but are subject to themselves just as to just as to the law also says if they desire to learn anything let them ask their own husbands at home for this is for it is improper for a woman to speak in church i'm going to tell you straight up this passage of scripture has been taken and used in a way that probably Paul never intended it to be used when it came to the church and the reason i can say that with full conviction 
is that prior to saying this, uh, we've talked about many times when interpreting the Bible and looking and, and making a, an interpretive conclusion from the Bible, you have to look at any statement in the context of Scripture. Uh, most of the times we're looking at a statement in the context of, of the New Testament or a statement in the context of the whole Bible itself. Well, here in 1 Corinthians, we get the the advantage of looking at this just even in context of the letter itself, Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. And what we need to look at is, just prior to Paul saying this about women not speaking in church, he makes it clear that there were women speaking in church in Corinth in these church settings, and he was perfectly fine with it. So what I'm going to read for you comes out of chapter 11, um, just the first few verses, and this is what it says. He says, be imitators of me just as I am also of Christ, which is an amazing, an amazing, just an amazing verse. All right, but moving on, it says this, now I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of every woman, and God is the head of Christ. Every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head. In other words, when a man was in the church service, his head was not supposed to be covered with anything, a prayer shawl, anything along those lines. Verse 5 says this, though. Every woman who has her head uncovered while, what's he say? Praying or prophesying disgraces her head, for she is one and the same as a woman whose head is shaved. Now, if you remember when we studied this passage, we made it very, very clear that sometimes when you look at Scripture, you have to remember the original audience and the original culture of that audience. Basically, what it amounted to was this. In that day and in that time, if there was a woman in church, whether she was even speaking or praying regardless or being quiet, if she did not have her face covered with, with a veil, that's what it's getting at here, wearing a veil, then an outsider coming into that setting would look at that woman and just make the assumption that she is a woman of the world, meaning this, a woman specifically of, this is, keep in mind, this is Corinth, there's a temple probably right down the road, not that far away, where there were employed by the temple, temple prostitutes. And if a woman did not wear a veil in public, it would be assumed she is a prostitute. And my goodness, what would that do to those coming in and seeing this church service and seeing this taking place? You talk about a major stumbling block. They would say, well, this isn't any different than, I mean, goodness, they got prostitutes here. This is no different than what takes place in the temple where they worship Aphrodite. There's no difference here. And, and, and the point is this, Paul did not want there to be any stumbling blocks in the way of anyone wanting to come to church to see what is going on with these Christian people. So, all of that being said, in today's day and age, tell me this, in our culture, would it be a stumbling block or not a stumbling block to tell, okay, next Sunday, women, you all have to wear veils? I mean, think about it for a moment. That doesn't fit in our culture in any way whatsoever, and that would most definitely be a stumbling block for women coming to the Lord because they're just not going to do it. So, sometimes culture plays a role in the way we view Scripture. Now, here's a very rule that we must very much remember, and we talked about this when we looked through that chapter. 
culture can have an effect upon the practice of church meaning this the way we go about worship the way we do things you can i mean there's are we have drums on a stage there's a, there's guitars that are played nothing wrong with it uh, that has probably a little something to do with our culture i'm guessing if you go into the mid-east a worship service if they're allowed to have one would probably look a little different okay uh, you Culture can affect the practice of the church. What culture cannot affect is the doctrine, the teaching of the church, most specifically the gospel. In other words, our message does not change. What is right, what is wrong does not change. Those are absolute and they're eternal. Um, but culture does affect practice. Now, bring that full circle into our discussion today. Paul has made it clear in chapter 11 that in Corinth there were women praying out loud, there were women prophesying. Prophesying is simply bringing a word of the Lord, and they were doing this in that setting, and he was perfectly fine with that. So what in the world do we do when he's just several long paragraphs later saying women do not speak in church, they're not supposed to do this? All that can come, I mean, is Paul contradicting himself? I don't believe Paul does that. I don't. Um, so I think what this is getting at, keep in mind, the bigger issue that Paul is addressing in this spiritual gift, speaking in tongues, all of these things, is this. The church setting, the church assembly, which is just kind of saying church, church, because the church is the people. When they come together in service, it needs to have order. It needs to, if somebody's speaking in tongues, they're going to do it by themselves with no one else doing it at the same time. And there better be somebody there to interpret that or it's not going to take place. Okay, um, the, if, if he even, prior to this, last week we looked at even somebody prophesying who's, who's speaking a word of the Lord in an understandable way. You do it one at a time. You don't get into a yelling match trying to outdo one another. There must be order. So in his telling the church in Corinth there needs to be order, what that brings to mind to me is there must have been something going on within these church services where some of the women there were getting loud, were getting, I don't know, argumentative. I, I don't know. We don't know the full picture. But the point was this, it was becoming a distraction. It was becoming a problem within the church. And Paul says that cannot be the case. We cannot take this service from messing with communion. I mean, we saw that in chapter 10. They were messing that up even. He says you cannot mess these things up. There must be order in this. So that might be what Paul was getting at with this. Okay, Um I'd, all I know is this, Paul doesn't contradict himself in the same letter, and earlier he said he was, he was perfectly fine with women praying and prophesying in church. So there must have been something more to this picture than we realize. Now, so what does that mean for us today? What does that mean? Um, we're just going to get very, very practical here for just a moment. There is another passage in Paul's letters, pastoral epistles, we call them, his letters to Timothy um, and Titus. One specifically meaning um, in, in Timothy and his writings to him. He wrote of a situation where a woman would not be, should not be in a position where she is teaching a man. 
Um, we're not, uh, we're not going to get into that full discussion. That is something we might jump into the pastoral epistles sometime on Wednesday night coming sometime soon. There is probably a little something to that. Um, otherwise Paul wouldn't have said it, um, without digging into it deeply, uh, on at face value, there's something to this that we just should, we should recognize. Um, and we don't know if there's something going on, like what was going on in Corinth that Paul was getting at. Like I said, that's something we will might probably, probably at some point in time jump into. The pastoral epistles would be really good to jump into. Now, here's something else that we need to remember. Um, can women speak in church? Can women be in, in positions of ministry where they're teaching and preaching to men? These are questions that get asked all of the time. There's something we need to understand about the New Testament, okay? The churches in the New Testament were being preached to the vast majority of the time, these local congregations, the ones who were doing the preaching were elders, okay? Um, and the elders, some of them, all of them were supposed to be able to teach. If you look at the pastoral epistles, some were given, some had the ability to get before others and exhort them, encourage them, prophesy. That's bringing a word of encouragement, exhortation, um, bringing consolation, a word of comfort, um, bringing all of these different sorts of things, um, edification, that's building people up. Uh, and some elders had this gift. And some of them did this even to the point of being um, a paid employee, um, as, as you see um, in, in the writings of Paul. Here's the thing. In the New Testament, there were no women elders. They were men. So um, that kind of gets brought into the context of our current setting, and that's something that cannot be ignored. Um, now, different churches see those in standing in the pulpit differently than others. Um, here at Deering, we're an elder-led church, which that means is the, the elders that have been appointed here um, by elders previous to them, um, they, they lead, they guide, they instruct. Um, all four of them actually teach as well. Um, and Meaning, that's 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 they're the ones who set the direction of which we go now now the ministers on staff JB and myself in particular as the full-time ministers um, we have a part in that I would say but but we are not um, we are not elders so um, that looks a little different now when you go into other churches there are some churches that that are not elder led um, there are churches out there that there's only one elder and that happens to be the the minister the preacher if you will um, and then there's kind of a church board or a trustees or deacons that sort of thing so it looks all kinds of different amongst different groups um, here's the other thing that I think is is valuable for us to understand and we'll kind of close with this. And this is, you're getting some of, of me, some of my, of, of what I have seen and observed in years of ministry and what I believe about the culture in which we live. Um, I have never seen a spiritually strong woman who did not value and invite the strong leadership of a strong spiritual man. Now that happens hopefully 
in the perfect situation in the own home where a strong godly woman follows and leads with but does follow and willingly follows the guidance and the leading of a strong spiritual husband and father to their children um, and I think that applies itself very well within the church setting as well. And what oftentimes happens is when women step up into these places of, of leadership, it's because the men have not stepped up in the way that they should. So that's kind of um, where we'll leave that at this time. Um, appreciate you guys being a part of this. This is a big question. It is, and something that probably gets talked about um, quite often. So uh, now, what we will look, begin looking at tonight is chapter 15. And um, in chapter 15, we're going to see some, some amazing stuff. I am very, very excited about it. We'll cover the first uh, 10 or 11 verses tonight, um, and we'll get the, Paul's very, very uh, straightforward definition of the gospel. So I'm excited about it. Hope you can join us tonight at 7 o'clock. We'll have a meal at 6 o'clock, um, followed by classes for all ages at 7. So again, um, hope to see you. This is Wednesday, September 28th. We'll see you tonight.